0: This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one.
1: This holiday season, head over to Metal Blade Records' web store for the label's annual Chris Massacre promotion, featuring ugly Christmas sweaters, ornaments, mugs, and more. New Metal Blade merchandise is also available, along with shirts and exclusive editions from an array of artists. Get your holiday shopping done now at MetalBladeStore.com. Once again, MetalBladeStore.com.
2: It's the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts Petter Spych, Brandon Hahn, and Jocelyn
1: Sharp. Metal Sucks Podcast. Hello, friends out there. This is I, your host, Petra Speich. I am always joined by my right-hand man. What's his name? Hey, my name is Brandon Hahn. Hello. Mm.
3: And you can follow me on the social media garbage uh, at Mr. Han Comedy.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and uh, this week, guys, Jocelyn Sharp and Sylvia Alvarado are out doing wonderful things. Jocelyn's on the road doing comedy, and Sylvia is working. Yes. All right. So wonderful. Wonderful things. So, wonderful But, but things. make sure you guys follow our co host At Jocelyn Sharp, J-O-Z-A-L-Y-N Sharp on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And at It's the Sylvia on Twitter and Instagram for Sylvia Alvarado. And if you guys want to follow me, I'm at Rise to Offend, Facebook, Twitter, Rise to Offend Official on Instagram. This week, guys, it's the the time of year. Everybody starts spouting out opinions. What's on your list? What's on my list? What's on our list so this is our best of episode we're breaking it down in two parts because uh they're going to be long ones because we got a, a decent amount of interviews to join with them but all four of us sat down all four of us compiled the list all four of us threw away most of my list and we came together if we may as one now did hell Yeah stampede make the list mm, first off hell yes record this year welcome home did not make the uh-huh. list r.i.p Vinny. right because it, it's still hell yeah, and it's not that good. But you know, I don't think so. I nah, liked it. it's all right. Yeah, I liked it, but it's not best of material. Anyways, with that, guys, so let's just jump into our list. We're going to play a track off of each song. If you guys have not picked up these records, make sure you take the time to check them out. Also, go down to Sucks.net, Check out all the lists. Vince's got his posted. axel has got his posted. And, and other contributors to the site is up there. But it's really cool if you guys do check them out. So let's just jump on to number 15 our number 15 album is going to be the new one from ginger macro now this record i don't know man it's it's hard to describe this band i I heard people say that they kind of sound like periphery mixed with lamb of god mixed with like gwen stefani from no doubt and that's a good assessment of what you're getting here but all i know is that each song on the record is killer and they're a fantastic live band so number 15 on our list is the latest from ginger this is a song off that record macro this is on the top
2: Another die, another dollar, and our model will progress.
1: Song you just heard, as I said, is on the top off our number 15 record, Macro by Ginger. Number 14, The Agonists came back this year uh, with Orphans. A couple years back, they put out a record called Five that I really, really enjoyed, but I know that it it didn't have the same uh, love um, as Eye of Providence, the first record with Vicky. But Orphans came back this year, and um, every song, again, just on point, does exactly what we expect it. It's the Agonist that I really, really, really get excited about. With that, guys, that's going to be our number 14 records, the Agonist Orphans. And let's jump in. I got to sit down and talk a little bit with Vicky from the Agonist. So here's our interview. Hey everybody, what's going on? It's Petter, Metal Sucks Podcast. On the phone, I have Vicky from the Agonist. We are here to talk about one of our favorite records of the year, Orphans. Now, Vicky, let's, uh, let's go back a few years. I always like to go back a little bit. Now, five, that was the record you did before Orphans. And it was a concept Mm -hmm. record. Um, What did you learn from that album when going into Orphans?
0: So the deal with Five was that um, the band felt a little bit of a need to go in a different direction. To like experiment. And not only musically, but in how we recorded the album. It was the first time that we went outside of Montreal and worked with a new producer. Um, So I think not so much for myself, because it was only my second album with the band, but it was their fifth one. They kind of felt this need to explore different territories and, and, and such. So um, that happened. And then there were some really good elements from there. But then there were also some elements that weren't also, you know, true to us. So when it came time for Orphans, I think everyone just kind of felt this need to go back to what feels comfortable. And you know, easy to write, and we worked with uh, Chris Donaldson again, which has been our, our longtime producer. So I think what happened with Orphans is we we took a mix of, you know, comfort and um, e- what what's true to our identity, I guess, but then introduced some of the newer elements that we had been exploring on, you know, with Five and I've Providence also, and just created this this album that I feel is. 100% what the band should sound like
1: one of the songs that I thought was a little bit newer for me as a listener was a song Mr. Cold can you tell me a little bit about that track
0: yeah so what happens is Danny is um who's the main songwriter in the band he writes songs you know like in Vertigo as one we survive which are very typical the Agnes sounding you know but he also has this like great love i guess for for rock music like 70s style or just you know toned down not so angry type uh riffs and there's always a part in every album where he he kind of explores into that and i think mr cold was that song for this album and as soon as i heard it um obviously it has you know some very heavy parts too but when i heard the more rock and roll vibe parts and sort of ambient sounds in, in the guitar tone, I felt, like, a bit spooked. Um, so I got inspired to write about ghost stories and how they affect us in, in life, you know? Uh, just supernatural in general. And I feel like it does give that, especially with the vocals and the lyrics now, it just gives that very eerie vibe, this sort of unsettling feeling a bit. But then it also releases when the chorus hits you and you're like, ah, I can breathe again, sort of. Um, But that's just the vibe I get from it. You know, everyone else might have, anyone could have their own experience, you know.
1: Absolutely. No, I I thought it was more of like the rock and roll type of track on there. That's why it kind of stood out and it was right in the middle of the record. Mm -hmm. So. I think it works really well with the entire album. Um, I do like the the ghost vibe that you were telling me about right now. Are you into supernatural things? Is that something that you do pay attention to?
0: Yes, yes, I am. I'm a firm believer of a bunch of things. You know, I have, um, you know, I think there's a lot of things that that we don't understand. Or, um, you know, I have dogs. Like I said, and sometimes my dogs pick up on. The weirdest things. And I'm like, what's going on? You know, like, there's nothing there. And um, obviously, you know, with television and all that making it very popular, um, it's a whole different side to it. But I I am very captivated by, you know, ghost sightings and, and just supernatural things in general.
1: Have you ever had a, a personal experience where you might have sighted, or sighted, I don't know if that's a word, <laughs> where you <laughs> might have seen something that you're like, I might have seen something supernatural?
0: Uh, yeah, when I was younger. Mm. Um, and I also feel like there's a reason most people as children, you know, kind of have these weird experiences. Um, so, but at the same time, I can't, you know, be 100% sure what makes it a little bit more solid for me is that a lot of my family, like my parents and grandparents have a lot of stories and they grew up in, in the countryside. And when you hear like sort of the same story from different people that don't know each other, sometimes you're like, okay, it can't be, you know, coincidence. And I feel like it is more of a, um, um, a rural thing rather than an urban thing like it's not also a coincidence that a lot of these things happen out in the middle of nowhere small towns and and such so um yeah i've just had a lot of stories from close family and friends that make it just all too too true to deny you know
1: Mm -hmm. no i'm a believer in in everything that people tell me i'm not supposed to believe i i like living my life that way this it's just because awesome. there's something very, um, I don't know, man. I like the unexplained, I guess, more or less. I'd rather want to live in a belief system where I can't explain something than everything making sense, because I think that is almost like a direct cynicism that will make me not enjoy life. I don't know. It's, it's hard to explain. Absolutely.
0: But I mean, yeah, yeah. No, I was just going to say that goes so far beyond the supernatural, too, that in general, there's this curiosity that feeds people and motivates them and like if everything was just you know um, black or white and made total sense i think we wouldn't be motivated to create or to go out and explore or anything you know life would be boring
1: yeah i completely agree i want to like my belief system i always tell people is like reincarnation is what i hope happens for sure and then whenever mm-hmm. people ask me, what would you want to be reincarnated into? I used to say dog, but I've changed it the last few years. Now I want to be a seagull, okay? Oh. Let me tell you why. You live on the beach yeah. and you get to fly. Right? It seems <laughs> like the best life. And I don't know if a lot of seagulls get killed. I think they get to just live in their peaceful little place. So that's that's where, right. that's where I'm at. What would you, if, if reincarnation was a belief system that you were okay with, what would you want to come back into this wonderful land as?
0: Oh, man. Like, if I weren't another human, mm, yeah. let's say. Um, now that's a hard question. I mean, like, yeah, like you said, dog seems to be the obvious choice um, for a lot of people, but I feel like I would rather be a wild animal. Mm. So, probably, like, I'd take a wolf over a dog, I guess. Because there's this thing about humans that they can't really survive in the wild or some humans can, but it's extremely difficult, you know, and you're fighting a lot of things to just say like, Hey, I'm going to go live in the middle of nowhere and, and, you know, be a caveman or whatever. But when you're a wild animal, like a wolf, for instance, for instance, it's like, it's, it's natural to you. It's your instinct, you know, and it's enjoyable. Like I have a husky, and he drives me nuts to go and walk him, like, like every five minutes. We could come home from an hour-long walk, and he just wants to go out again. And he just wants to run and explore. And, like, those are all the natural instincts, right? So I, I think a wolf if I had to choose.
1: I like that. No, I, th- I think that would be in my top five for sure. The reason I wanted to do a dog, as crazy as this sounds, is because – I remember people always saying there's nothing – there's no, like, love that's unconditional. And I believe that as a human. There is no unconditional love, you know, kind of. But a dog mm-hmm. loves unconditionally. And I was like, I want to be on yeah. that side of the fence where I'm just like, dude, I love you. <laughs> you know, like, whatever, forever. I those, yeah,
0: And vice versa, too. Like, you do love dogs, mm-hmm. you know, the same way unconditionally. Like, they could crap all over your floor or piss on your couch or drive you nuts and – you're like, ah, well, I still love you. <laughs> exactly. They
1: have that because, yeah, there's just a simplicity. And that's, I think that's why I wouldn't want to come back as a human, even though I love being a human, don't get me wrong, but I want the <laughs> simple life. You take away all the politics and the money and the, and the the God of cool and all those things that we have to deal with as humans that animals don't have to deal with. You know, I think that, that would be a, a much more, uh, I don't know, spiritual life, maybe? Whoa, I might have got a little. Yeah. A little spiritual there honest. Anyways, so, so back to the record, the reason that we're here, we're celebrating Orphans, everybody, if you haven't checked it out. Like I said, one of our favorites of 2019. Now, you did bring up early when we, when we, brought, we were talking about Mr. Cole that um, a lot of the Agnes stuff, there's going to be a more angry style. But this one seems to be, the song seem to be the angriest that you guys have put out together, to me, in my opinion. Um, was that a goal, writing for this record?
0: Um, it wasn't a goal necessarily, but it was almost of a kind of like an itch and a need. And because we all were kind of angry with different things, you know, I was I had my own personal things going into this album and I'm sure everyone did. And um, it just came out in the music. And but the thing is that it came out very naturally, like I didn't sit down and say, I want to write, you know, the angriest lyrics, I want to show this emotion, it was just, no, you know, I heard the music, and I was like, what is this song telling me, for instance, what are the riffs saying, like, what emotion am I drawing, and then I would find a lyrics or a story that, that fit that emotion, and it just came out very naturally, and it was definitely the easiest album to write for everyone, so I, that's that further strengthens, like, my initial argument that it's it's the quintessential, I guess, agonist album. If it feels right and it's easy to make and it is receiving, you know, like very positive reviews, it means that it's what we're supposed to be doing and it's it's us, you know, it's the agonist.
1: Yes, absolutely. So the last question I did wanna say, I love to guess themes on records. When I listen to them, I'm like this is what they're trying to say. And as a listener, because it's subjective, we're allowed to I guess, create our own meaning behind the art that you guys created. So, but I did want to uh, bring my theory to you and let me know how far off I am in your opinion on this, on the record. (laughs) So, because the overall theme to me is uh, being left behind, but that eternal anger that comforts that of being left behind. Um, Is that assessment to you kind of a theme that you were going for?
0: Um. Not necessarily that mm. per se, because, you know, being left behind, that's, like, very specific. Mm. And there, there may be some parts in songs where I guess the lyrics dive into that a little bit. Um, but I do agree with what you said now, that kind of like there's a, a negative situation, and but you're okay with it. So something positive, I guess. Mm. Um, I would say if I had to say something about... An overall theme on the album because it's it's not a concept album um but i will say that the topics in the lyrics are mostly negative they're about difficult situations or or bad experiences or just like uncomfortable but then there's always a a light a positive light there like a silver lining where you're like you know what this sucks but it's okay, and I'm telling myself it's okay because, you know, at the end of the day, things will be okay. I just have to to wait out this negative space and wait for something positive to happen. Um, and I think that that kind of happens on every song or almost every song. And I think it's really important because that is how life is. You know, like no one has it easy. All the time you go through through different phases in your life for like one moment, you're at the bottom and a month later, you're at the top. So I think it's just important to know that at the end of the day, it's going to be okay. but it's also important to be able to talk about these different difficult situations and learn to embrace them, I guess. And I think that that's how you can identify with with listeners and people all over the world and Um, Like you said, at the end of the day, it's also very subjective. You know, I may write something thinking of one particular experience, but then I can always see how it translates in many different ways. And I think that that's the beauty of lyrics and music too, that you can reach so many people through doing that, you know
1: absolutely and the meaning changes with time for a lot of people which i i I love about music like 10 years later you're like that lyric meant this but now it means this and it is uh it is what is the glorious thing of such an art form like music i think is that Mm -hmm. it it is absolutely subjective and the record like you said lyrically it's so relatable to so many things as being a human
0: thank you so much like i had no idea um that we were in your top list and it's absolutely amazing, and the feedback has been amazing so far. Um I just hope we can continue on that path and, you know,
1: yes, for bring sure.
0: many more like this.
1: <laughs> Excellent. So with that, Vicki, thank you so much for calling in to the Metal Sucks podcast.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. <gasps>
5: the floor.
2: sucks.
1: first song you guys heard as one we survived is off our number 14 record orphans by the agonist song you just heard is off the new the new latest whatever you want to call it record from opeth in Kata Venum. now that track is called universal truth and now i am one that has not been totally on board with the opeth changing of the sound as they did four or five records ago Brandon, what about you What's that? About down with the changing? Yeah.
3: Hey, whatever. It's called evolution. You got to grow. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: was not. I was like, all right, this is cool. This so is don't cool. grow. No, Pete no. He hates it when you grow. This is, this is cool. I just miss the death metal, you know, about it. And then this last record, I think that there was so much... I don't know. It kind of like hit me and I'm like, wow. I, I have to go revisit the other ones. But yeah, Inkada Venum. But hey, it made the top 15. Of ours, yeah. Everybody liked it in so the
3: room. So it might not be as is you might not like it like you like the other stuff but no, still I, made a top do. 15 I so do. you like it as much even though it sounds oh, different
1: oh shit i can't say I mm-hmm. like if it
3: but much. let's just say i past, like it a lot let's say past opeth meets current
1: opeth in a fight who wins past opeth okay okay everybody knows that though everybody everybody knows that everybody knows that everybody knows that so anyways but uh this record it's it sold me now i'm uh really excited about where they're gonna go so let's jump into our number 12 record of the year i know it made a couple of guys on metalsucks.net list i i think it was axles but he described it as the the best cinematic metal band and that's the perfect way to describe cult of luna their newest record a dawn fear guys here's a track off that one this one is called lay your head to rest we are back number 11 on our list is from ray adler of fate's warning he put out a solo record his first one uh this year and that record's called what water wants and i to- totally blew me away because my expectations for it was much more progressive much more this but what i wanted was a, a real strong and and challenging vocal record and he gave it that in spades dude so Number 11 on our list by Ray Adler, What Water Wants, guys. Got to talk to Ray. Check out our interview right here. Everybody, what's going on? It's Petter and the Metal Sucks podcast. On the phone, I have Ray Adler. We are here to talk about one of our favorite records of the year, What the Water Wants. Your first solo record, Ray. And this is your first solo record in the 30 plus years you've been doing music, you know, with Fate's Warning and also with Redemption and at a, for a time period. But how long were you thinking about? creating a solo project through those years
6: well i mean it's not something i like like dwelled on or anything i mean there was a period yeah where faith hadn't done a new recording in like nine years but you know i was busy with redemption and and faith was still touring you know we were still going on the road and stuff but i was busy enough that i wasn't like oh chomping at the bit to do something else um but this time, you know, we did the last two albums, Darkness of Different Light and Theories of Flight, and we were really busy with those albums. And um, so, and then Jim took time off to do another Arch Matheus album, so I figured I had some, some downtime to do something. And now I, you know, I, I moved out of the country, I actually live in Spain now, so it's like music is my sole source of income, so I need to do something, you know, I, I can't just sit around and played Doom all day, so I had to actually do something, which was nice. And so, basically, that's it. It comes down to having time to do something, and um, and it, it was a good time. It was fun. It was a lot of work, but it was it was worth it.
1: Yeah, as we were talking about Fate's Warning, I was lucky enough to see you guys out here in Vegas when you played Vamped, um, one of my favorite shows I've seen oh, cool. in a long time. Yeah. Such a, such a great time. But you guys also did release. A double live record, which I think a lot of people should be aware of, because it was pretty fantastic, um, as well. That so was tough, man. <laughs> let's let's talk really about that. How was the recording of that live record?
6: It was it was just crazy because, you know, we were doing a lot. Most of the shows were over an hour and a half, yeah. hour and forty five, hour and fifty minutes, and the way that the schedule worked out, it was it was fifteen shows. Every one of them was recorded, and but it was five shows, day off, five shows, day off, five shows, and the last show was in Greece, which is, for some reason, people really like us there, and um, that night, we decided to do everything, like, let's just do everything we have, and, and plus an extra, so that show was Two, two and a half hours or something at that point I was my voice was completely burned out even with rehearsing and practicing like it's still a lot to do five nights in a row hour and a half uh, hour and 50 of, of music so that last night the next day after that tour was over my voice was completely gone but but it was you know, again it was fun and everyone did an amazing job in the in the in the band it was just incredible but you know we kind of figured after um, all the touring for darkness and for theories like we knew we were going to take a break and to be honest um, We didn't know what we were gonna do um, I don't know if anyone really knows that but we hadn't signed with a new deal or anything. We were still sort of uh, well, We were free agents at that point. We had fulfilled our contract with inside out and At that point we were free agents And Jim and I had discussed, you know, like um are we going to do another album? And we didn't really know if we were going to move forward or what the plan was going to be. Um, so we decided, in, in, you know, let's do this live album for now. Maybe, maybe it'll be our last. Who knows? Mm. Um, but then we kept, you know, we talked and um, decided, yeah, let's let's um, let's let's move forward. Let's let's see what happens. So we signed the deal with Metal Blade. And, and that's what we're doing now. That's what I'm working on now. I'm staring at my computer as we speak, actually.
1: Great news! Great news! Yeah, the the record, if it, people haven't gotten, it's called Live Over Europe. Um, fantastic double double album. I think you sound spot on, but the set list, because I'm such a fan of the last two records that you guys did, I, I think they're uh, you know some of the top stuff you guys did. It, there's a lot of songs from those records on there, so I'm I'm always very. Yeah very excited when i get a live album in it and it's it's a it's present day stuff you know because a lot of times (coughs) when you have the amazing catalog that you guys do um and don't get me wrong i'd love to hear parallels from start to finish but my point is is no 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 it's it's
6: it's it's interesting that you say that because i mean i'm guilty of the same thing i'll go see a band and i go why 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 aren't they fucking playing the old stuff i'm here to see the old stuff you know, I mean, I'm completely guilty of it. Mm. And for me personally, I think it's a little rare that a band will come out with something new. And they're like, oh, I, I really want to, you know, an older band comes out with something new. And I really want to check it out. You know, and I'm really liking it. So I think it's really interesting in the last two albums that we did. Maybe it's because we haven't done one in nine years, you know, before we did Darkness. Or, or maybe the fans just appreciate new music. But when we do play the new stuff live, the reaction is, is way better than we ever would have hoped for. Way better. You know, when people are singing the new songs and stuff, that's that's amazing. You know, it seems like they really like it. <laughs> I don't know, maybe they're just being kind. But to me, that's, that's like the best, like... Um, uh, honor to be bestowed upon us is to have people actually like the new stuff you know and and want to hear the new stuff so of course we had to put it on the on the album so there you go that's, perfect. that's, that's all i have
1: excellent no that's excellent and yeah the perfect tour if i may for the i want to hear the new records was queen's Wreck in you guys which happened uh i got it was the beginning of the year right and um yeah because same thing great, with right? their I stuff know. like uh, like with with you know um
6: Yeah, okay, perfect example. Their new album is fucking great.
1: Right, you want to hear it.
6: You know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that video, God, I can't remember the name of the damn song. But I think um, Eddie actually wrote this song. It's just rad. It's a really cool song. They started playing it live in the middle of the tour, and we were just like, I'm like, what is that? It's a new album. No shit. <laughs> their uh, they, they, their new album is fantastic.
1: Everybody, yeah. The verdict, if you guys haven't checked it out, um, but yeah, definitely, guys, check it out. But back to what what we're here to talk yeah. about and and talk is is what the water wants, man. Everybody, Ray Adler solo no. record. Ah,
6: that that old thing. Don't worry about <laughs> it.
1: <clears throat> there is uh the, the one thing I really liked about the record is that. Um, it's it's a very relatable record for me as a listener, and it has a genuine retrospection of being human uh, for me as mm-hmm. a listener. Now, what were some specific events in your life behind some of the lyrics to the tracks?
6: Well, I mean, some of them are personal. I mean, sometimes you just write off the top of your head. and I, I, For me, uh, whenever I write a melody, like for instance, Jim will give me a song, and, but in this this time you know mike and, and tony were giving me music so when i write a melody not that anyone gives a shit, but this is how i work i i write a melody as i'm writing i'm just throwing out bullshit words to fit you know the the consonants and the vowels to know where i can go so these words just come out whether they mean anything or not so when i come back and listen and start to write the lyrics somehow subliminally subconsciously i've sort of written a you know a map of where the song is going to go um lyric wise and that's kind of how it happens so basically a lot of the times it's i don't even know what i'm why i'm doing it but these, these words are coming out so that's kind of how these happen so you know maybe it's the mood of the song that takes me to that place to where those lyrics actually make sense to me <clears throat> so it's it's not like um i sit down and go okay this song is going to be about you know the dog i had when i was nine or you know it's it just it's just sort of a subconscious thing for me mm. it really is it's really weird i know but uh I actually know someone else that does that too it's pretty famous but I won't say who. <clears throat> anyway,
1: melody though is is the key though to the the vocal structure of the song and for us as as listeners. So I do like that approach. So has there, I mean you have you run into words that you're like I can't fit this at all so you just kind of throw it out because the melody is more important?
6: Yeah, absolutely. I mean there's like for for instance ease singing a big E, a high E. We uh, need or something like that. You know, that just I have to change a word so that it will fit to an I or an O or an A or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah, that definitely affects where the lyrics come from, and it's it's a process for me. Like it's a really it's such a pain in the ass. Ask ask my wife. She she hates me when I'm writing lyrics because. moody and i'm you know i'm just like "Ah, i don't know where to go with this and is it too literal is it too vague you know that's that's the process for me to me lyric writing is the hardest thing in the world musically that's just it's just the most difficult thing for me but again trying to make a story out of out of bullshit words that i put down on 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 you know, And not every single one I do is like that, but 90% of them are Sometimes I actually will sit down with a topic and write something. For instance, the song The Road. Mm. The song itself just was a very somber song to me. And so I, I kind of just like, you know, I'm going to write about death. You know, like, why not? I don't think I ever have before, maybe not in such a literal way. But that was one that I actually sat down and, and, and had a point to what I was going to write the lyrics for I don't know if that makes sense but
1: absolutely that song I actually have a question on I'm like that's the that song is a complete journey you know also vocally it seems like you're you're taking it as a journey but the storytelling as well um, and yeah and that that's really it's really cool and and that's the main thing I think that I really wanted out of the record and and, and I think fans maybe did too is because we we wanted the vocals front and center you know we kind of wanted this yeah. to be because it's your solo record you know we want the highlights yeah. I want it to be a chill classy vocal kind of, you know, record. Yeah. I tried and to nailed give it. everything
6: yeah. I could. I tried to give, you know, like, you know, the, the mellow song, the sort of proggy, which I don't really think it's that proggy, but I keep getting all this prog stuff about it. Right. Like it's all in four. there's no sevens or nines in it man it's you know it's all in four but somehow it's called proggy but anyway i wanted to do you know different things that i do than i do besides fates you know like for instance the song crown of thorns to me which i've mentioned before it's like sort of an homage to like the 70s music that i grew up with you know i grew up listening to rock that my mom listened to you know or funk you know Brothers johnson or Uh, you know, like Little River Band and uh, just shit like that, you know, with with the vocals, the melody is the main thing. Like, you don't even know who the hell the band was. You know, you don't know the names of the players, really. Well, maybe in Brothers Johnson you do, but, but, you know, to me, like that bass line in Crown of Thorns just goes throughout the song to me and then sort of the soulful sort of melody behind it, that was like, that was my goal. As soon as Mike sent me that song, which was actually different, that was a second version of what he sent me, we... It was different the first time you sent it, but for instance, that's something I would never do with Fates. So that was uh, that was fun. That was a lot of fun for me. And that's probably my favorite song in the entire album.
1: Great, great track. Yeah, and you, it's it's great that you brought that up because yeah, I was going to say something about the guitar being kind of not the primary instrument throughout that song. It kind of enters yeah, and exits. Bass. But, <laughs> but that's so cool, especially because the first song, "Lost." I mean, is so the vocal layer. It, it just. Dr- drills you in and then when track two is crown of thorns the bass just kind of like mellows you out and that's what i mean by yeah that. the chill yeah. kind of like it, that and, and that's good for m- listeners is when it is kind of a relaxed thing before uh the third track you get the you know the, the guitars in, you know
6: yeah uh, um, yeah yeah yeah
1: it, it it's the journey and the thing, and I think it's just so uh, well done and pieced together, man. And and um, honestly, yeah, it's Thanks. it's great that uh, these nuances that I hear as a listener were your intention. I think it sounds like in a lot of
6: ways. So yeah, it's a different. I wanted different layers, and you know, I wanted a textured album. I didn't want every song to be exactly the same. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't be like. Uh, super heavy metal or super prog or super power metal whatever. I just, I wanted to just do different things like, and I've said this before and some people take it way too literal, but take uh, for instance, the real thing by faith. No more. Mm. To me, I think it's the best album they ever did, Mm. but I'm not saying what I did is faith. No more. What I'm saying is that album is so diverse, all the songs on it, you know, you have, you know, the, the, one where he's sort of rapping. You have the other one that's like super heavy metal. Um, the one where he's, I, I forget the damn names. I, I don't remember. Anything. Surprise but Your Dead is like uh, a super
1: metal song. And then they have the yeah, acapella so song there, the, at the end. I don't know where they're singing. Yeah. Oh, I the name. And
6: then the child, child molester
1: song. The child molester song. Yeah. <laughs> yes, where he, yeah. That's what I call it. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you're saying. You can't scream those lyrics so, out of your car without getting in trouble. no.
6: So, <laughs> But it's like you know that's what i i wanted i wanted like diversity i wanted just different things and maybe some people will like some and some people will hate some but maybe those people will like another song you know what i mean just something different to keep it interesting to keep myself interested to be honest you know um i think if every song sounded the same same tempo everything of course it's just gonna get boring but Man. to me it was that was, that was the whole point
1: Love it. It translated perfect. You did it exactly what you are going for. I want everybody out there, if you guys haven't checked it out, Ray Adler solo record, What the Water Wants, it's out now. One yeah. of our favorite Go records. Get it. Go get it, guys, of 2019. That's awesome, man. Um, and
6: thank you again for that. That's awesome. That's
1: oh, very you're very cool. welcome. You're very welcome. And I'd also want everybody, if you haven't picked up live over Europe, the Fates Warning live record, guys, check it out and just listen yeah. to the new songs. Like, if you're like, I don't recognize <laughs> this song, listen to it live. You're going to be like, I need this record. And uh, lucky in, luckily in that record, they're kind of in unison, so you get the, the a vibe going, which is uh, I think is also a very smart play when you when you guys. Yeah, I don't think life. anything's
6: too far out. I don't nah. think anything's too far out on that album. So. It kind of matches up. It's cool. Perfect.
1: So with that, Ray, thank you so much for giving us the time here on the Metal Sucks podcast.
6: Absolutely, man. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it.
2: Sucks Podcast.
1: song you heard is off ray Adler's what water wants that track is called loss the next song you heard guys is from torch that is the title track to the record our number 10 record of the year admission that is about as catchy as a tune can get in in my uh minds but the record also blew me away loved it very much so which brings us to our number nine on the list and this one i believe topped vince's list this is the record from brutus the album is called nest And the track we're going to play for you guys, this one is War.
2: sucks podcast
1: Song you just heard is from Arders. That's their debut record. It's the record was called "The Last Place on Earth." The song you heard is "Last Moment." Another one of those vocal performances. I think a lot of us here on the podcast really um, came from the diaphragm. Re- really came into the, the the vocal records more or less in in our genre or what you may say that really really stuck with us because a lot of them is is so haunting. But like I said, it's a lyrical thing. It's a vocal thing rather than the normal guttural thing. But the next record on our list man that's just straight anger it's what I why I love hardcore it's an inventive and that is from the latest from refused the album is called war music if you guys haven't checked it out here's a song off that record our number seven record of the year this song is called turn the cross,
5: turn the cross upside down. Gonna drive me deep in the car
1: on to our number six record um an acoustic record so i i know people might be like wait a second it's not metal it's from chelsea wolf it's birth of violence um and like i said before we very much are into the haunting things we think that is very much speaks to our genre in a lot of ways this record to me i don't know it just was one of the most genuine one of the most easy listening records but also like really dark and really dynamic so um which for an acoustic record it's it's a challenge pretty much on its own it's a challenge yeah so she she did a fantastic job guys so i got to chat with chelsea let's jump into our interview right here chelsea wolf everybody what's going on it's petter with the metal sucks podcast on the phone i have chelsea wolf we are here to talk about one of our favorite albums of the year birth of violence now Chelsea, uh, touring your 2017 record, His Spun, had a big effect on the outcome of Birth of Violence. Tell us a little bit about that journey.
7: Yeah, the tour schedule was pretty heavy for His Spun, and that was after about seven or eight years of pretty heavy heavy touring, so I just kind of started to like feel this nag in me that I needed to like take a break or slow down, and... I don't know, one of the ways that I would find, like, some peace in the chaos of tour would just be to, like, take my acoustic guitar to the back of the bus or a quiet room at a venue and um, play a bit. And I started writing these songs that eventually became Birth of Violence, so, yeah, it was kind of, like, finding my own little place to call home on the road while I was dreaming about being at home for a minute and staying in one place uh, for a little while.
1: Nice. Now, there's a track on the record called Highway, and uh, I was going to bring that up because touring is a chaotic, but a very special and unique job and life, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And when you wrote that song, there is a reflective piece to that track. Was that in one of those moments that you were kind of uh, on the tour bus?
7: Yeah, I mean, I started writing those lyrics a bit on tour. I wrote that one um, at the very end of recording at home, so that was like one of the last things I wrote for the record, but yeah, a lot of these songs are kind of a reflection of, like, both sides. You know, I, I always like to explore contrasts and, and the way things balance out. And there is this balance of, of being totally enamored and, you know, drawn into this life on the road. But at the same time, it can get very chaotic and it can, like, make your mental and physical health really messed up. So, um, yeah, highways definitely a reflection of that.
1: I do have a a love for well I don't want to say a love for but I I do have a a passion for understanding communication this day because, this day and age because there's a lot of um I guess words that people have different meanings for in a lot of ways mm-hmm. and one of the things about the uh, the record the title track uh, the birth of violence it is kind of redefining that word violence right and into something more beautiful um, something more of a motivating factor and I really like that because I. Feel that being abstract sometimes gets us in trouble um, did you feel any of that to represent what I just said kind of truthfully to that song
7: oh for sure I mean in calling the record that as well it's like I didn't have a problem really just calling a song that and, and putting that into a song uh, but when I felt like it was supposed to be the album title I fought it for a long time because I did feel like it would be misunderstood but um, it is an abstraction of it, and you know, when I looked up the word "violence" in my old dictionary, like I always do when I'm curious about a word, uh, one of the definitions was um, "strength of emotion," which to me felt very connected to the themes on the album of um, finding strength as a woman in this world and navigating this world and navigating the music industry and just like owning your emotion and owning your power. So. That's why I went ahead with that one, for sure. But I also just think the word violence is a beautiful word for something so ugly. So again, it's like a, a heavy contrast that I like to explore.
1: We can say that violence might have been a, a beautiful word, and then through history, it, it has an ugly connotation. I mean, we can, mm. in a way, we can see that. Because I do like that about the, the record. Uh, a lot of the stuff that you've always done, though, is that the abstract mind, if, if you have one, it's so relatable. You know? Um, yeah. And uh, that's that's something that's really good. Like, the, the phrase, and I, I forgot what song. I think it was an REM song where it says, I don't sleep, I dream. And I can't remember. I think it might have been Day Sleeper. It was a track from an older record. But I remember that phrase staying with me. Like, those are two different people completely. The ones that do dream and then the ones that just sleep to recharge, you know? Um, right. And that's the communication that I'm talking about. It's like, when I see a lot of this dissent, I think it's like, it's not about understanding everything it's about accepting everything you know um Mm -hmm. with words and stuff like that and i think songs help me understand that you know um and especially when they're haunting and and there's a couple there's an uncomfortable like if i if i um from your record the most i guess uncomfortable moment for me was the song little grave um and that one if if i remember reading something about that it had something to do with kind of the school shootings that were happening on in in the modern culture. Can you tell me a little bit about that song?
7: Yeah. I mean, it was uncomfortable to write as well. It was really difficult and sad. And it was just a song that came out of me after one of the, unfortunately many school shootings that happens here in the U S. And, um, I just felt really frustrated by the response of the president saying that we should arm teachers. I just felt, you know, like the ugly side of violence. And so I wrote that song and I wasn't sure if I should put it on the album. Um, but I was encouraged to by a lot of people who felt, you know, like that was an important song that they connected to it and really felt something, so, It
1: it was, because these things are helpless, and then when we hear a voice, you know, like uh, sing words like that, it it is, it kind of, it brings a peace to something, you know, and to address it's difficult, and I do understand that hesitance, but Mm
4: -hmm.
1: I feel like if... I've always been one of those people where it's like if you're genuine, it should be said, you know, And whatever yeah. thoughts or whatever words or whatever songs. Um, and that's right. something that's, you know, been very active, I think, with with a lot of your songs and a lot of us fans of, of your stuff. Um, my favorite tr- uh, track, though, if I may, on the record, and everybody, once again, Birth of Violence, if you guys haven't picked it up yet, one of our favorites of the year. It's make sure you hear this record, guys. Uh, my favorite track is uh, the track Deranged for Rock and Roll um lyrically in part it was inspired by a conversation you had with a mystic um and uh it was something can you uh, tell us a little bit about that and then i'll follow up with the other part of the question
7: um, that, just the line where i say drink my dreams um i was told not to drink the water next to my bed in the morning because like the your dreams and nightmares from the night go into that and you're supposed to like water the plants outside with it or something but i always like, gulp that down in the morning because my dreams have become, like, such a source of inspiration. And not just my dreams, but my uh, struggles with sleep paralysis and insomnia, which has kind of plagued me my whole life. There's kind of this moment in between waking and sleeping where the figures from my dreams are basically still in the room with me. And it's this strange state that sometimes makes me really anxious and sometimes makes me really curious. And that's definitely, like, um, seeped into my music a lot over the years. Um, so that was just a reference to that. I mean, there's so many references on all of my records about dreams and sleep and, you know, that in between state. Um, but overall, this song is really just kind of a simple love song to rock and roll.
1: Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the, the whole record's got highlights to me, but it's, it, every time it comes on, it, it just is the one lyrically that I want to sing first. So, I, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big fan of that one. And, um, we just talked about the acoustic presentation, the last two records, you know, um, the metal media has jumped on it and it's like, we're, we're trying to claim you as a metal musician, but then there's, it's much more complicated than that. we, uh, we are huge fans, but when you decided to do the acoustic presentation, um, this time you step back and in a lot of ways, um, what do you want to say to the audience right now? And why do you think this is the perfect time for you to be um, more intimate with the, on the stage these days?
7: Mm. Well, if I'm honest, when I was writing this, I don't think I was really thinking about the audience. Mm. Um, it was more that I, like I said, I needed to really take a step back and I really needed to take some time off from being in constant motion. So I started saying no to things and you know, made the commitment to spend most of this year off the road. And it was weird and difficult at first and took some getting used to, but then it was like a really Good time for me to like get into some rituals and habits that I hadn't been able to before and to just like just take better care of myself mentally and physically and um, spiritually and just so I put a lot of that into the album, even though it was just kind of at the beginning of that because I mean, I, a lot of it was already written um, and then I kind of finished it at the beginning of this year, but I still think that what I've been going through this year is really a reflection of this album, so. I don't know. I mean, I think it's it's about coming back to myself. It's about finding a place called home and a place to call home, uh, wherever that may be. And it's also, I mean, it's about so many things. But again, you know, again, it's about like navigating the world as a woman and feeling more comfortable as a woman. Because that wasn't always the case for me. Um, I didn't ever identify with like a typical traditional sense of femininity. So I kind of had to find my own. And I've definitely explored that on Hispa and honest album. You know, being a woman in my 30s now, like, I just feel a lot more connected to that, and I've been writing about that a lot. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, so, again, I think, I think I wrote it for myself, but I know that a lot of people will be able to relate to these things because they're very, like, basic things at the end of the day, but I'm just exploring them in a, you know, a more spiritual way, I guess, now.
1: I, I think the most powerful world people can learn how to say is no. I, the, the quicker you learn mm-hmm. that, the better. Yeah, I'm
7: still learning that. But.
1: Trust me. I think we all are. I think we all are. Like, um, mm-hmm. and then eventually you're so comfortable with it that you just stay inside yourself and you don't see the rest of the world. Right. And it's, it's, it's kind of a, it's a tricky, it's a tricky oh, thing. Yeah. yeah. So, and that is something we, we are very isolated, I think on purpose to mm-hmm. find peace. Do you think that's a healthy thing or do you think that's um, kind of going to be a hurtful thing in generations to come?
7: oh man that's a big thing to comment on Mm. i just i think you know each person has their own way of navigating that i'm i've i've kind of always been a loner and like a hermit so it works for me as an artist to go out on the road and like experience a lot of people and you know shows and places different places and then come back to where i live like in the mountains which is really quiet and small population and, and i just get to focus on writing and processing everything and putting it into more songs um But I don't think that that would work for everyone. You know, some people think I'm super weird for living out in the middle of nowhere and, like, can't imagine coming on from tour to this total quiet. Um, But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited to to bring these songs on the road. I think it's going to be, like, really scary and uh, (laughs) uncomfortable for the first few shows. But it's like I know that, and I know that I'll get past that, and then I'll, like, ease into it. But,
1: Yeah. Are you going to play a lot of the new record? Um, or is it going to be kind of a mix?
7: I'm definitely going to play a lot of the new record, but there's going to be a lot of older songs as well, like some reinterpretations. Um, I'll have a little bit of accompaniment, but it's going to be really stripped back and really different from anything I've done before.
1: So. Nice. It's, it's super exciting. It's, yeah, it's going to be great. And I do, I, I feel like... You know, the living situation that you may have because you do tour, I think that's perfect. I live in a city, I live in Las Vegas. When we go mm-hmm. travel, we go to small cities and we're like, let's just go to a small town that's got 500 people and spend a week there. That's like, it's just the contrast, yeah. you know? And then eventually, when I'm older, older, I want to flip flop that. I want to go live in a small city and visit, you know, the city. Visit
7: but, the
4: big city, yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: But the understanding of, um, I don't know. Silence. I don't know. It's, it's just something that it's just different in a place when you know, you're not surrounded, you know, all the time around everything. Mm -hmm. So the word beautiful keeps coming back to the conversation, but also to the record. And it is a beautiful record. The acoustic performances that you're going to jump out and do is going to be special. Um, I really hope the fans respect it and, you know, act accordingly. That's the one thing I've seen at some acoustic shows where I get upset about. <laughs> I'm sure you have too. It's like, dude, <laughs> you know, you get. Yeah, it. I feel. Go ahead.
7: I feel. I feel like I have a really amazing um, audience who mm-hmm. is typically pretty like respectful in that way. But yeah, I've experienced that at my shows and other people's shows, and it's frustrating. But you learn to just kind of like. Try to soar
1: above it, you know? Exactly, yeah. Just ignore them. That's the way it is. I always say that to my friends. I'm like, hey, if you write, you invite. And you don't invite good stuff. You invite trouble. So let's just calm down on the <laughs> on the posting or anything like that when someone says something ignorant. Walking away from ignorance.
4: Oh, yeah.
7: It's
1: hard, man. It's hard. But uh, it's uh, it's definitely a necessary lesson. So with that, Chelsea, man, huge fan for such a long time. So excited to get to play a track off the record on on our Best Of show and talk about it. And I really hope... Everybody checks dates and sees um, wherever you're touring. I know you said you're not going to tour as much, maybe on this cycle currently planned. Mm-hmm. But these acoustic shows, guys, do not miss them. So make sure to do that. So with that, Chelsea, I want to thank you so much for calling into the Metal Sucks podcast.
7: Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for the support of the album too. And
4: he
1: song you heard off of Birth of Violence by Chelsea our Number six record of the year. That song is called Deranged for Rock and Roll. And with that, guys, that is part one of two. Next week, we're going to do our top five for you guys. We're going to be back up in your
3: guts. Well... I'm sorry, wait, no, I mean, consensually, consensually. That, oh, oh, that was a <laughs> sexual reference. I thought <laughs> I you were punching someone. <laughs> okay. Punch no, no, well, I get I mean, it. You could be punching someone. No, I get it. You could be punching someone, like Ricky O style.
1: I know. <laughs> God I got to watch Ricky O again. It still holds up. Is it Ricky O the ballad of Ricky? Is that the name of it? No, that's the, you're thinking about Telega Nights the ballad of Ricky Bobby. It's uh the story of Ricky. The story of Ricky.
3: Yeah, yeah it's called Ricky O the story of Ricky. <laughs> Pretty sure.
1: Oh, we probably should have Googled it. <laughs> you but anyways, want to see some bad B-movies. Check out Rikyo. Um, and with that, guys, like I said, next week our top five will be released, dude. We love doing these lists. We love doing the music episodes. I want to thank everybody one more time for the five-star reviews on iTunes. You guys are the best. We're so close to 200 we're so close so tell a friend tell a friend even
3: if they haven't listened to the show just grab their phone and put in a five star and say you know what no, no comment just five star yeah you we're know good. what like right brandon is extremely handsome
4: mm-hmm.
1: pete whatever mm-hmm. and thank you all once again for supporting our other podcast, rise to offend during these holiday seasons it's getting tougher and tougher for us to get those out weekly but uh hang in there guys uh we will be continuing with ronda rousey hopefully we'll get back on schedule in a week or two and uh with that until next week guys make sure you say hello to jocelyn sharp if you see her on the road guys doing comedy make sure you always follow and hit up sylvia alvarado at it's the sylvia see ya
2: the metal sucks podcast is signing off
0: this is the jabber podcast network